0: Informed Consent Getting to Yes is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Alcon.
1: This podcast is called Informed Consent Getting to Yes. It's about the specific, fair, and balanced explanations that leading eye surgeons give to their patients so that they'll say yes to the course of action that the surgeons propose. I'm Marguerite McDonald of Ophthalmic Consultants of Long Island in Lynbrook, New York, and today's episode is about SMILE.
2: So, I was really interested in the technology and the idea of doing potentially a new refractive procedure that is flapless, uh, potentially with a, a quick recovery, and to really be able to offer my patients uh, the most current. Refractive procedures available. So I became really interested in Smile for that reason.
1: That's Dr. Katie Hatch. She is director of refractive surgery at Mass Eye and Ear, assistant professor of ophthalmology at Harvard Medical School, and site director of the Mass Eye and Ear Extension in Waltham, Mass.
0: Our practice was a 100% laser vision correction practice from approximately the year 2002 to 2016, at which point we added. Uh, all the rest of the forms of vision correction. We felt that SMILE was a necessary addition to our practice given its uh, many benefits, uh, potentially the ability to treat more patients and higher refractions.
1: And that's Dr. Luke Revenich, medical director and owner of Clear Sight Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma.
0: We also felt that it may be more comfortable um, during the procedure for our patients.
1: So, were you involved in clinical trials?
0: We were not, but we were the first in Oklahoma to offer Smile, and we are—we're glad that we did, and our volume's been increasing ever since.
1: So, patients usually go to Doctor Google, and they've been googling about LASIK for years. So, do you find that a lot of them, might, when they come in, already know about Smile?
2: So, some patients have found the practice through 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 Smile, and have they do know that I'm doing Smile? Um, I would say the majority of patients are still calling are still coming to the practice, just interested in laser vision correction. So they're really interested in, in the best procedure for them. Most patients come to the office, just see, you know they're seeking their freedom from glasses and contact lenses, and they really want the doctor to tell them what procedure to
1: have. So in your practice, if you find somebody who you think is a great candidate for smile, uh, we'd love to hear what you say to them. So I'm Mrs. Smith and you've decided I'm a great candidate for a smile, what what exactly do you you say to me? So,
2: Mrs. Smith, I I feel that you're a very good candidate for laser vision correction. And we do have different options for laser vision correction. Well,
0: Mrs. Smith, congratulations. You are a candidate for laser vision correction. Now, most people have heard of LASIK and PRK. These are forms of vision correction that have been around for uh, for many years.
2: You may have heard of LASIK. It's probably the most famous of the procedures. And what we're doing in this procedure is making a flap in the cornea, lifting the flap, reshaping the eye, and putting the flap back down. And so that's... Probably the most commonly performed refractive procedure. So we know that the flaps do sometimes, you know, they heal well, but there can be some very small risks of having a problem with the flap.
0: But well, what I'm going to recommend for you is SMILE. It's a form of vision correction, uh, very similar to LASIK. Rather than using two lasers, uh, we use one laser for both steps.
2: Instead of making a flap in the cornea, we're actually uh, making a small pocket and then lasering a little lenticule, a little disc of tissue out of the cornea removing
0: it. And one of the many benefits for SMILE is that it's uh, easier for you in the first uh, first 24 to 48 hours. It tends to be a bit more comfortable. The outcomes are exactly the same as LASIK and PRK. And although they, you may be a candidate for those, I believe that your best option would be SMILE.
2: The big advantage to that, uh, in my opinion, is that it's... It's a flapless procedure, so there really are no restrictions at all after the procedure. We don't have to worry about any issues with the flap. And uh, there you may also be reducing the risk of dry eye. So there, so we we, we are making um, a, a smaller incision, and so we may be affecting the, the nerve tissue and the cornea a little bit less, which can potentially lead to less issues with dry eye. And then the other reason is that... The cornea may be a little, maybe a little bit more of a stable procedure. So when we're making, from a, you know what we call biomechanic uh, r- rationale, and, and in terms of that, it's it, it is because we are making a smaller incision. We may actually be preserving some of that strength of the cornea, which may reduce the risk of problems in the future, like thinning condition or a condition called ectasia, which we really would like to avoid.
0: People don't want to feel that they're getting something experimental. Over 1 million SMILE procedures have been uh, performed worldwide. In many ways, this is a, a form of LASIK. But I tell patients is that this is either very similar to LASIK or a, a form of LASIK. I mean, patients do ask how long this has been around, um, but what, what I've been finding is that they don't see it as new, they see it as more, as a, more advanced or a, a newer form of LASIK. We don't denigrate LASIK. LASIK is able to treat far more people at this point than, than SMILE can in the United States. But uh, there are benefits for SMILE, and there's there's typically a reason that we recommend this specifically for patients.
2: At this point, I'm really offering SMILE to all of my patients who really have about a half a diopter or less of of astigmatism as as their primary procedure if they're a candidate. I'll occasionally do a patient with three quarters of a diopter with the rule Especially if they're very young, because I know if they end up with a little bit of residual with the rule, that's not going to be a problem for them going forward. Especially if they're young, like in their you know twenties and thirties. And occasionally, I'll do one smile in one eye and LASIK in the other. If I, you know, if someone has more in one eye, um, and that works out well, also.
1: Do you find that your percentage of smile is going up every month? And what would it be now? The smile versus LASIK ratio, roughly.
0: So at this point, I smile versus LASIK ratio is fairly static. We, we treat about one smile for every 20 LASIK. The reason for that is not that smile can't get the same result as LASIK, but until we're able to treat astigmatism and hyperopia, we're essentially able to treat the same parameters that we can treat with LASIK. We're really not promoting it to the same level that we are other forms of laser vision correction.
2: I do think there's, I do think there's a learning curve. I think, I think there's a learning curve with the Visumax in general. So I think it's, they're having the, um, you know, 50 flap cutoff of doing, doing barely being very comfortable with LASIK is very important because the centration is very different than, you know, cent- centering and docking is a little bit different than other lasers. But so I do think there's a learning curve just with the Visumax in general. I think you, if you know your landmarks and you, you know that and do it, have a stepwise approach every time, it's actually a very simple, fast procedure. It's actually even faster for me than LASIK because... At this point, my patients have LASIK, they have to have the flap, and then I have to walk them over to my eczema. So it actually takes longer for me to do LASIK than SMILE at this point.
0: The way that I see SMILE is how LASIK was in its infancy. It's, it is a wonderful technology that can be further developed. I believe that once we can further modify the energy settings, the, uh, the incision size, the, uh, the, cap, the cap thickness, um, as well as to treat aberrations of astigmatism and hyperopia, I believe that SMILE will be at least equivalent, if not uh, surpassed LASIK, at some point in the future. That could be uh, that could be three years. It could be 20 years in the future.
1: Do you think there will also be economic savings for surgeons because you've got one laser instead of two?
0: Absolutely. Hmm. That that being said, SMILE, like other forms of laser vision correction, um, will have the need to be enhanced in the future. But in the meantime, it's necessary to have. Um, another laser to uh to treat patients even a smile
2: i don't think we'll ever you know stop doing lasik i think we'll always be able to offer lasik as a procedure but i i think i think more and more i mean i know i'm going to be offering it to my astigmatic patients as well and i'm excited about potential future applications of like what can be done with the lenticule i mean that's a whole other area to to think about so like the, the tissue that we remove may have a lot of future applications and you know, treating hyperopes and maybe treating presbyopia. I mean, there are, I think there are a lot of potential future applications.
1: Yes, and I've, I've heard refractive surgeons say, well, even if you go 100% smile, you're going to have to keep your eczema to do PRK touch PRK, oh,
2: yeah. oh, definitely. Yeah, no, we're not getting rid of the eczema.
1: Well, I want to thank both of you so much. I know I learned a lot, and I'm sure that our listeners did too.
2: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you tonight.
1: You're both welcome. And thank you to our listeners as well. And please keep an eye out for our next Informed Consent, Getting to Yes podcast.
0: Informed Consent, Getting to Yes is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Alcon.